favorite authors, friends, and guests explore the simpler side of life. Here's your host, Amish fiction author, Tracy Fertikowski. Hey there, welcome to another episode of Buggy Talk. I'm your host, Tracy Fertikowski. Each week, I'll bring you the story behind the stories along with the storytellers. For this week's episode, we have USA Today bestselling author Jennifer Beckstrand on board, who will introduce us to her latest release, The Amish Quiltmaker's Unconventional Niece. Hello, Jennifer. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing well, and it is such a pleasure to talk to you. Have I? Is this my third time or fourth? I think it is third or fourth. I don't know. I love having you on board. Like I was just saying a little bit before I hit the record button, I love having Jennifer on because she always makes me smile, and she always has something funny to say. And sometimes we just need things to laugh about. Don't you agree? <laughs> I so agree. That's mm-hmm. what life is meant for. We are here to have joy. So. We are, and um, we need to find that joy in wherever we can find it. And today, that joy comes from introducing our listeners to the Amish Quiltmaker's unconventional niece. And the last time you were on, we got to talk about this just a little bit, and I've been very excited for this book to actually launch so that I could pick it up and read it. But before we do so, I love to ask our guests, some personal questions about their writing career, and I'm going to do that now. Is that okay? Sounds great. All right. So for those of you who don't know, Jennifer writes under two names, Jennifer Beckstrand and uh, Jennifer Spencer, and she just started writing Sweet Romance. So I want to know, you've now written Amish and Sweet Romance. Which do you prefer? Well, there are things I like about both of them. I love doing the Amish because it comes from this kind of this Christian worldview. And I love just being able to just kind of have that in the air, if if that makes sense in my books. You know, it's just kind of accepted and don't have to explain anything. So I love that part. I love I love the Amish because it's just so um clean and wholesome and uh i i love the people that are so you know deeply good and just trying to do their best i i also love the sweet romance because you get especially with contemporary you get to be a little bit more um wild i don't know if wild is the right word but i can um use a lot of pop culture references I can just crack jokes that the Amish community would not understand. Um, so I, I really love both of them. And I'd probably have to say Amish first just because that's where I've been for so long. But I'm really loving exploring this sweet romance thing, too. So. Well, I know that I picked up Dandelion Meadows, your your sweet romance comedy, um, after we spoke last time, and I devoured it in in a couple nights, and I absolutely adored it. So, you, oh yeah, I did. Um, I I've added it to my bookshelf collection, and it's um, actually I reached back and picked it up and laid it on my desk. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. You just you just have such a sweet way of adding some humor 
into the books. And I think I mentioned the last time we were talking, I really don't have a funny bone. <laughs> my husband will tell me I don't have a funny bone anywhere in my body. So um, for me to write some funniness or, you know, a, a little uh, sly comedy in, in, in any of my stories comes very, very difficult for me. But mm-hmm. I could tell in your books, and I even tell that in your Amish books, because I've read quite a few of them, that you have no problem adding some fun, laughter, sly little comments that make you make you chuckle to yourself. So I know I appreciate that. So thank you. Well, thank you. And you know, it's everybody's different style, right? And that's, that's really okay. And sometimes you're in the mood for something funny. And sometimes you're in the mood for just a heartwarming, really beautiful story. Everybody has a different voice. So I love that. I love that everybody's different and not the same. And if you try to write humor, if you force it, then it's not funny at all. So, you know. Yeah, it's not. My husband tell, will be the first one to tell you that I can't tell a joke. I mess it up every time. So I, I don't even try. I don't even try. Well, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and move on. And my next question is, if you could ask one successful author three questions about their writing, their writing process or books, what do you think they would be? I feel like I'm at a point now where I'm envious, if that's the right word, of authors who can write beautiful stories faster. Um, I feel like I really have to think, I, <laughs> which I guess is good, but I really have to think about my stories really hard, and it takes a long time. And I see these authors that just write so quickly but are still very good. I think I would probably ask what, how, how do you write so quickly, um, and still put out really good content? But I also know that that's another one of those style things, personality things, maybe that, um, if I try to write quickly and force it, it doesn't turn out well. So maybe it's just having to go at my own pace. Everybody has their own pace, I guess. I, I, I definitely think that. And, you know, I think that our frame of mind has to be in the right spot, too. You know, if I don't know about you, Jennifer, but if you sit down at your, your keyboard and you don't feel like writing that day, it's going to show in the words that you put on your paper. Oh, yeah. 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 And that happens to me sometimes because I try to write 10,000 words a week. <clears throat> and sometimes that takes me three days. Sometimes. I think I told you this on Saturday night, I'm typing out, you know, terrible words because I just have to get the 10,000 words in, you know, and, you know, those words are just garbage. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't help me at all to type out those words. So, yeah, sometimes it's just, just doing it at your pace. And like you said, when, when you're feeling it, because if, if you're not feeling it, you got to delete all those words anyway. So Exactly. They just end up in the delete file. So you might as well not even waste your energy on them, I would assume. Yeah. So tell us, what's one challenge you face when writing? And actually, you know, we probably answered that question a little bit. I, I would think a challenge that you just said is writing when you don't really feel like it or when you're just forcing the words. Yes. I think every writer, every writer I have talked to, 
it's a really big challenge. If you're, if you're going through something really hard, you know, if you're, you're having issues, other issues in your life, it is really hard to sit down and write something, anything. And so that is a big challenge for me. It's also just a challenge to, um, writing is obviously a very, very creative endeavor. And sometimes it's just hard. And I am so grateful that I am able to write and I have that gift of being published. But it's also true that um, I've told my husband this. I have a job where I have to go and create my job every day. You can go to the office. You have what is already defined for you to do. And me, I have to create my job every day. And some days that's really hard. Other days it's a pure pleasure, but that's a, that's a challenge for me because some days it is hard. Um, and that's okay. You know, nothing, nothing worthwhile was ever easy. So. And a day, sometimes the day at the office can be a challenge and that goes for the same for office. That's true. Very true. Right. So I shouldn't, (laughs) I shouldn't complain. Exactly. So tell us, Jennifer, where do you tend to draw your inspiration from? Uh, so much from just people I see, um, people I know. I, I put so much of what I know and what I observe into my writing. Um, this, and I know we're going to talk about my, my book later, but there are a lot of people (laughs) that I have encountered who show up in this, uh, Amish quilt makers, unconventional niece. And they probably, they might not recognize themselves, but so that is really where I, I draw a lot of inspiration. I, um, especially when this book doesn't have a lot of children in it. But when I write about children, I use my own kids, my grandchildren, my neighbor's kids. So that's where I get a lot of the inspiration from other people, what I observe. Well, that's wonderful. I'll have to remember that the next time we spend a lot of time together and you're in a writing (laughs) deadline that, oh, my goodness, am I going to show up in one of Jennifer's books? Am I going to show up in this book? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the last question I have for us is tell us what book is sitting on your bedside table right now. My husband's work, they just had a huge conference and they had Brene Brown come and speak. And I don't know if you know who she is, but she's kind of this. Yeah, that, that doesn't sound familiar. She's kind of a self-help guru, and um, one of her books I love is called The Gifts of Imperfection, because I'm really a perfectionist. Anyway, so she came and spoke, so he brought home her new book called The Atlas of the Heart, and it just talks about feelings and how we name our feelings, and so that's what's on my, and actually, it's actually really a good thing for a writer because I I'm always looking for feelings and how to name them so (laughs) I didn't think about that but that's actually probably a really good thing for me to read right now it is say the name of the book again I want to write it down atlas of the heart atlas of the heart all right sounds interesting thank you for sharing all right 
best part of our interview. We get to talk about the Amish quilt maker's unconventional niece. And before I ask you some specific questions about this story, let me go ahead and read your back matter just to set the stage. Okay. Okay. All right. This is Jennifer Beckstrands, the Amish quilt maker's unconventional niece. Resourceful Colorado Amish quilt maker Esther Kime has her hands full with husband, home, and a baby on the way. But putting her skills to the test for an outspoken niece who's running for town council is a matchmaking challenge she can't resist. Maddie Zook always stands up for what's right, which is why she's been exiled from her Pennsylvania Dutch home to her Aunt Esther's farm. Outraged at local discrimination against the Amish, she uses her rumspringa to run for town council. Esther can only hope that sensible local farmer Freeman Sensing will help Maddie and keep her from going too far. But Maddie is soon finding her new campaign manager all too appealing. Freeman never thought that the standoffish opinionated Maddie would care so much about others. Even more amazing, their differences are somehow making her campaign successful and have him hoping for more of a future with her. But unexpected obstacles and a sudden romantic rival will put their growing closeness to a test and give them only one chance to truly reconcile their hearts. Well, I have to say, I don't think I've ever, ever seen an Amish book that talked about politics. So this is <laughs> laying the law here, um, Jennifer, with this book, and I'm excited to hear more about it. How about you tell us, you told us a little bit about the inspiration and how you drew inspiration for this book from some of the people that have surrounded you. Is there any other key point? I, I think maybe your history and what you like might have been some of the inspiration. What do you think? Yes. Well, so I went, I really went out on a limb here. And the front cover is this picture of this Amish girl holding a sign, you know, vote for Maddie, whatever, for town council. And um, I thought, oh, people are either going to be, really offended by this or <laughs> they're going to love the idea. And so I was, I'm just so excited about it, but yes, I'm uh, for better or for worse. I am really passionate about politics. I see so much of myself in this Maddie. I have a, my, probably my best friend, her husband ran for mayor of our town several years ago. I helped with the campaign quite a bit. It was just so fascinating to see all the politics and some of the nastiness that happened in this small town. You know, I think we've got 16,000 people in our town and it was so fascinating. And I was just so eager to write about this to just kind of talk about just the the idiosyncrasies and the quirks and the outrageousness of some of these people who run for office or you know who are in office anyway so that's kind of what I wanted to do and I I think this book is hilarious I think it's very romantic but also just really funny almost just a an eye roll at some of the politicians nowadays. 
anyway. <laughs> it, it sounds like a wonderful story. So can you tell us, I'm, I'm interested to know what was, or maybe that gives too much away, but what was the one thing that made Maddie want to run for town council? Can you tell us a little bit about that without giving any spoilers away? Yeah, because it happens right at the first of the book. So she's from Pennsylvania. She has been exiled to Colorado because there was a neighbor in Pennsylvania who was dumping trash on her family's farm. And so she actually found an attorney in Pennsylvania to sue this man who was dumping trash. And of course, the Amish are just don't believe in that at all in suing people. And so her father sent her to Colorado because he wanted to get rid of this lawsuit. Anyway, so when she gets to Colorado, second day there, she's at church and they they go home from church and they get stopped by a police officer because the town council has voted that the Amish buggies cannot be on the main roads anymore. She goes to council meeting and she complains about this. And of course, uh, two members of the three member town council are very unsympathetic. And so she's, she's decides she's going to run for town council to get this law changed. So that's how it starts. I can see herself getting in, in a little bit of trouble or um, <laughs> getting things stirred up in that little town. So, <laughs> and, and it was set in Colorado, right? You did say it was yes. set in Colorado. What do you think the key theme or message is in this book? For me, it was, you know, I now I'm talking about it. It's a more personal book than I, I actually realized. But for me, it was that it's it's okay to fight for what you believe in. Because I think sometimes it's really easy to back down when, when you face opposition. Um, I think even religiously sometimes and so I think the main message was it's it's good to fight for what you believe in it's good to stand up for what you believe in so Amish or not regardless if you're Amish or not you can still stand up for what you believe in well thank you so much as you know I often say that I think that the first page of any book is where you're going to pull your readers in would you mind reading us either your first page or pivotal scene of, of your new release. Okay, I did. I pulled up the first page, so I will read that to you. Okay, the floor is yours. Maddie Zook was a little ashamed, sort of resentful, and very irritated. But hopefully none of these emotions showed on her face as she serenely stared up at the minister, pretending to listen to him and getting madder and madder by the minute. It was unfortunate that the sermon was on Matthew 5.22, the verse about it being a sin to be angry. By feeling so mad, Maddie was sinning even while she sat right there in church. That probably counted as a double sin. How could she be anything but angry when her dad had sent her to this dry, barren place in the middle of nowhere, so remote that even the trees looked like they didn't want to be there? As soon as she stepped off the bus in Monte Vista, Colorado, her skin had dried up like an overtoasted piece of overbaked bread, and her lips had cracked in three places, even while plastered with a coat of Vaseline. Her head hadn't stopped throbbing since yesterday, a condition Aunt Esther called altitude sickness. 
Who in the world wanted to live in a place where you could get altitude sickness? It sounded like a dread disease with no cure. Maddie sighed inwardly and tried not to be mad at Aunt Esther. It wasn't Aunt Esther's fault that Maddie's dad had sent her to Colorado. It wasn't Aunt Esther's fault that Maddie would probably shrivel up like a prune and drop dead from dehydration if the altitude sickness didn't get her first. There was a possibility that it was Maddie's own fault, but she couldn't see it in her heart to regret what she'd done. So she opted to blame the person who had insisted she come to Colorado, her dad. Sometimes it was wonderful hard to honor her father and mother. Then again, the commandment didn't say you couldn't be irritated with them. The commandment doesn't say you should be irritated, <laughs> irritated with your parents. Yes. <laughs> or your children or whoever else sets you off that day. Well, that was perfect. And I heard some of your humor in even just that very beginning. So I'm sure that this book will, will continue to make me smile through all of the pages. So thank you for sharing with that, with that with us. And I will tell our listeners how they can find a copy of your new, new book here in a few minutes. So Jennifer, how about you tell us what you're working on right now? So I just this week started a new book in the Amish quilt maker series. It's actually book four. I'm trying to think of a name. So my first three books are, you know, the Amish quilt makers, unexpected baby, unruly in-law, unconventional niece. And I'm trying to find a good unword. Um, un, unwelcome was one I wanted, but my, my editor said, no, that's too negative. <laughs> so, oh. um, <laughs> so I'm trying, I'm looking for something else, but um, so it's the story of, so it's in the Amish Quilt Maker series and these four sisters. So there are four books actually in the, in this part of it, but these four sisters decide they want to make a sampler quilt for their great grandmother's hundredth birthday. And if you know what a sampler quilt is, it's different quilt blocks each in the same quilt. You know, so you have different quilt blocks. They start making the Amish Quilt Maker helps them with this sampler quilt. The block that this Mary has chosen is the drunkard's path. It's a quilt block. And she starts working on it. And then each of these sisters start working on their, their quilt blocks. And they, the quilt block kind of informs the story that they're going to have. So Mary with the drunkard's path, she works on this quilt block. And then one night there's a drunk driver who just crashes his car into their barn. This is how she meets his name's Clay. He's a professional baseball player. He is down and out. And uh, anyway, it's just kind of their story. So I'm really excited about it. Okay. So I want to ask you something. I asked my readers this a couple of years ago. Is it a happy ending if someone leaves the Amish faith? Because I have, I have one book where she's already left the Amish faith, but all the other books they've stayed in. This one's going to be a little different because I find it more believable for her to leave the Amish faith than for him to join the Amish faith. How about he's a Mennonite? And then it's like more of a match because maybe he's stepped away from his faith a little bit. And even though, you know, there are the modern Mennonite who drive cars and have, you know, have electric and 
Um, play pro baseball and yeah you know so maybe that might be an avenue to take but um, those diehard readers of ours it'd be interesting if we put that out you know in in your Facebook group or something you know the diehard readers do they want that Amish girl to necessarily always stay Amish you know, that's, that's a big clue in my, in the way I write, not this, I'm writing a series of 10 and this next book is Barbara's story, but the book after that is actually the Amish woman leaving the Amish faith. And, and yeah, so, but, but my, that story, the gentleman is, is Mennonite. So that's what made me think, you know, well, maybe you just need to make him Mennonite and he's walked away from his faith a little bit. And she's, you know, she, she, she's Amish. So that sort of pulls him back in the fold and she can still leave with him, but their, their culture isn't that much different. Right. It's a little bit more in line than just this wayward English boy, you know, that, that introduces her to so much more, you know, maybe she, maybe she pulls him back into his, his faith a little more. So yeah. interesting. Well, Boy, we could bounce some ideas off of each other, couldn't we? Yes, we could. <laughs> <laughs> I love to do a little fun speed round where I ask a series of fun questions to end our chat on a light note. And I've come up with three pretty cool questions to ask you. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Would you rather be stranded at sea or lost in a corn maze? Oh, definitely lost in a corn maze. I get so motion sick. (laughs) (laughs) I am so claustrophobic that I don't think I could do the corn maze. My grandchildren have wanted me to do corn mazes and they just freak me out. But my husband and I do a lot of boating. So being stranded at sea for a little while, I could probably do that. But corn maze, not in my cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) Second question. What was the last Halloween costume you wore? We were just talking about this with my kids because the biggest fight my husband and I ever had was over a Halloween costume. Oh, no. So I kind of don't often dress up. Probably the last Halloween costume I wore was Cruella de Vil. I colored my hair two different colors. I made this really cool coat. It was, it is, I still have that. It is a cool costume. I might have to pull that out again. And I, I wore it for trick-or-treaters. And then um, for, instead of candy, I handed out these cute little teeny stuffed like dogs. It was so cute. Hmm, I bet the kids loved that. Oh, I bet the kids loved that. That was perfect. All right. My last question. Candy corn or popcorn balls? Oh, candy corn. I love candy corn. It's one of my favorite candies ever. Do you, I have to ask, do you stock up at Halloween, you know, so you have them past Halloween? Yeah. In fact, I went to the store the other day and they just had a huge pile of candy corns and I bought a bunch. I was so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I can see you eating candy corn. Well, Jennifer, I want to thank you for spending time with us this week. And I look forward to hearing more about your future projects. And we will get you back here on the Buggy Talk for your next book that launches next spring. So is there a message you would like to give your readers before we sign off? Oh, just 
please everybody have a great day and remember to just give it all to God and find joy in the journey. Oh, I love that. Finding joy in the journey. And we all need to be reminded of that. And to all of you listeners, if you want to pick up a copy of the Amish Quilt Makers Unconventional Niece, look for the link in the show notes of this episode that you can find on my website at tracysamishbooks.com or you can go to buggytalkpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete list of some of your favorite Amish fiction authors and all the great books they add to the Amish landscape, including my latest release, which is Anna's Amish Fears Revealed, book three of the Amish Women of Lawrence County.